Good day, kind of sound radio is... Getting to know you, getting to know all about you. Getting to like you, getting to hope you like me. Ha ha ha. A very warm welcome once again, kind of sound listeners, on this beautiful day in our program where we get to know our fellow team members and today in studio with us which you might have just heard her a few minutes ago in her show poetry is mo hello mo hello joe (laughs) it's a mo saying hello to a joe (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm glad glad you've got sunshine we haven't we've got dark clouds and it's very Ah, yeah, well, you know, you can't have it all. Your brother did rub it in when it was our turn for winter, so um, that's right, that's right. Yeah, another bugger is down here in in, in South Africa, so (laughs) yeah, he's going to be enjoying the sunshine. Yeah, we've got him joining us, haven't we? In a a while. Yes, we hope so. He's on his way from the airport, so he should be marching into the studio within the next 20 minutes or so. Um, Mo. A privilege to have you in studio today and really looking forward to sharing on and getting to know you better, your biography, your background, what you've been up to in your life. So maybe okay. I can start by just giving you a little bit of an introduction to to you as a Capricorn. Yes. A Capricorn birth sign. So and Capricorns are born under the sign under this sign are really generally pragmatic, uh, ambitious and disciplined. Can you relate to that? Yes, there's aspects of that I can relate to, especially, yeah, I can be very, you know, if I've got a passion or something I believe in enough, there's that, uh, you know, um, yeah, that work, and I have that work ethics as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and also you can be somewhat stoic and pessimistic. Um, I'm an optimist. Huh. So that means, I suppose... But, but in my mother, my mother who was a Capricorn, she was a pessimist. Okay. So I suppose so it's that. got to do with where your sun was or your moon was or your yes. your Leo maybe was or something, hey, in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. So Capricorns belong to the element Earth, as do Taurus and Virgo, which makes sense considering how grounded they are in reality when it comes to making their dreams happen. Yeah? Yes. Yes. And you were born on the 5th of January, 1956, which makes you... Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't have a Listen, problem. On, on, yeah, of course not. I mean, you should be proud of, of, of I'm your life. I'm 64 at the moment, 65 no, in my, the minute. Wonderful. I wouldn't have guessed so that. Don't get me pension and I have to wait another year, I think, at least. <laughs> <laughs> and you're the youngest of five children? Yes. Born at home in Edith Weston with, what is this line? With Rutland stamped on her bum cheek. What does that mean? <laughs> well, <laughs> Rutland is the smallest county in, 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 in uh, England, in the UK. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, I, a lot of people, some people know where it is and some people have never heard of it. But, you know, it's like at school and, in, in, you know, when you're doing geography or whatever, it was, they would talk about the counties. And, of course, you know, I was always proud to say I lived in Rutland, you know, because mm. I've got the smallest um, uh, county. But I, I always said when people don't know, well, I actually have it stamped on my bottom. You know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So and that's listen- where that comes from. 
Okay, so we, we got quite a few, we got a few questions today. So we're going to just break it up into getting through your first, your earlier years, your early years now, and then we'll we'll take a few questions and we'll carry on. You know, as it goes along. So maybe if you want to uh, tell us a little bit more of your of your earlier years, um, your, your maybe your first happy memory, if you can remember that still, and all those kind of things. And uh, right. there's there's Hugh. Let me just uh, let's see, let's see, point. let's see what he says. Maybe we can get him on the line here. Hi, yes, Hugh, you are on radio right now. I've got the phone by the microphone. So, <laughs> guys, Hugh has just arrived here. Yeah, he's going to pick me up from Car, car Two. She won't, they won't let me out on that level. They all sorts of excuses. Okay, guys, um, just excuse me, this is quite important. We're picking Hugh up from the airport and he's battling to find his lift, which I've organized for him. So let me just have a conversation with, with him right here in, while we're in the program. So, Hugh, um, so can you see Lucy upstairs? She's waiting for you upstairs. Drop and go. At the, I said the, the top floor drop and go. Did you go to top floor drop and go? Yeah, I did, yeah, but they wouldn't let me out the doors yet. Ah, so it's only for, for, <laughs> for dropping off there. Okay, so that means, have you got Lucy's number? No, I haven't now. I'm going to forward that to you, then just give her a call directly. You might have to go downstairs then. Yeah, it's Park 8 2. Okay. Okay, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll send you okay. her number quickly, okay? Okay, thanks. All right. <laughs> Sorry about that, folks. Uh, well, that's know, with, just with, with you, anything is, 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 is possible, as you just saw. So now yeah. I've got to just quickly... He just, he just, he just likes to uh, you know, get us in a bit of chaotic state sometimes, just to stop us from being conformative. <laughs> exactly that. So <laughs> let's share that bless with him. him, share the contact with... As I say, bless his cotton socks. Bless his cotton socks. Uh, let's hope he gets it. But yes... Um, the earliest happy memory, um, the earliest happy memory you, you were asking me while you were sorting that out, um, I actually remember um, having my uh, a toy, because we were very poor, and for us to have things was, was really a treat. And I don't know where it came from, and it was the old red metal spinning tops. And... I couldn't have been very, I must have been a toddler. Uh, I must have been around about two or three because I remember somebody doing the spinning for me because I, I remember it doing on the lino and I was, I remember uh, watching all the colours merge into one and then, you know, seeing the bands of colour and I was so fascinated. It, it absolutely enthralled my my mind, um, you know, and I wanted it to, to keep spinning and spinning and spinning. So that was my first happy memory. So uh, that wasn't, um, you know, that, as I say, I, that was a, quite an early stage of, uh, of of my childhood. That was, um, as I say, we didn't we didn't have many gifts along the way. So, um, are you still there, Joe? Yes, I am. Just hopefully sorted that out. So, um, I think we should just. Mo, you should uh, carry on sharing with us what's happened. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, you know, that was my first happy memory. I also have a bad, uh, you know, because I did have a bad childhood. In those first early years, my, my father was uh, or, uh, an alcoholic, 
very bad. He was at the time when I came into the world. He was abusive in so many ways, um, in different degrees with the, with the children. Um, he groomed me, um, and I do have some early, uh, very early uh, memories of that, um, of his distorted uh, state of mind. And, um, you know, I was, I was a very young child and I was in nappies. So, um, there was, there was an incident that happened there and, uh, uh, I thought what was milk at that stage, but that memory stayed with me. And obviously as an adult, I realized what that milk was, um, when I was older. So that was the start of, of the, um, the abuse, but it was distorted abuse and it had an effect emotionally and mentally on my, uh, development. And as I got older, um, that continued in so many ways. Um, I was drawing, um, this, this, uh, uh, sort of people to me. That had that had uh, different agendas, and um, in my older life, um, because of my depression and my emotional state and bits and pieces, um, it got I got dis I got diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, and uh, and the reason being was because of the trauma and the emotional distortions that were caused with the. Um, early years of development because of uh, what uh, was done by my dad which I you know misguided love and it wasn't really the, the good love and of course it affected the, and distorted the adult viewpoint on childhood viewpoint um, the, one of the several of the conditions of this is the way it affects a person is is, is the distortion of love and sex creates the confusion um there's uh too scared to speak out which that happened that was my biggest difficulty when i had um men um make an advancement in ways that you know that were inappropriate um i used to duck and dive i could never be like um speak out and tell somebody to clear off or or whatever i i, I just couldn't do it i was trapped inside because you know it's part of that condition um feelings of um abandonment because of father going when he did that caused all those feelings and, and that comes into this condition uh at the shifting of self-image um always being extreme anxiety on edge and oversensitive emotionally um and shutting down and hiding within which i did a lot of um because it was a way of coping but it's something that uh, you, know, you take forward yeah and creating what you know i and through that creating more isolation and vulnerability yeah and, and because you did that there was like this last barrier between the outside world and 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 myself so socially i could never fully um integrate because there was always this barrier right and that's part of what was created from the damage and uh, you know and because of that i had a lot of relationships as i grew up um, I was, you know, in the first 10 years of adult life, you know, from 20 to, well, 35, really, mm. I was married uh, four times. Maybe maybe before we go into the adult um, adulthood, yeah. maybe we should just go back yeah. a little bit yeah. and maybe to more or less run about where 
Um, when your, your father left at five, you know, never to be seen again. Yeah. Yeah. And your best friend well, Linda, thanks. and from there onwards. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's not a problem. Um, when, when um, after Dad left, um, that was traumatic because the little child didn't understand, like any child doesn't. And often children will take the blame for whatever goes in, on in adult life, uh, even though they're not to blame. Um, and that started the process of of the distortion again, uh, and then. I'm not sure. I'm not sure when it was, but I'm, I'll say the first Easter or, or whatever. He sent a box of uh, Easter eggs for the five kids, and there was one um, Easter egg that was special, and the other four were plain. And somebody was reading what was on the box, saying that the special ones for, was for his princess. And I thought at the time that I was his princess because that's what he used to say, but it wasn't. It was it was one of my sisters, the hmm. second eldest. Ooh, that hurts. And, yes, and nobody saw the the traumatic pain that the little girl was in because yeah. nobody understood that. Um, but um, that was a key factor again of not being worthy, not being good enough. I'm to blame, you know, um, and just it's sort of reinforcing the uh, patterns that had formed in those early years of development. Hmm. Um, Did you have so, support in those times? Um, no, no, no. Um, it was, the family was a matter of survival because, you know, mum was having to work all hours. And she Linda? Had, um, Linda was a good uh, friend. Um, we used to, you know, muck about like children do. But children, you know, when you're, when you're a child, you you don't always ask questions about the other um but we used to share time together mm. um we and um you know we were like sisters in some respect because of that but i used to go to her house a lot and her mother was so glad when my shoe size grew out of past her shoe size <laughs> cuz i used to always be wearing her high heels cuz it was stiletto heels in them days <laughs> yes it was so funny, you know, and I, you can hear this click, clock, click, clock, click, clock, you know, the two girls. And, and of course, when you're doing that, you'd go over and it would ruin the shoe. <laughs> and my big sister, Rabina, at that time, she was, because uh, she is um, nearly 15 years older than I am, she uh, she was in the era where she'd get dressed up and it was the anglaise, cotton anglaise dresses with um, the... Uh, loads of petticoats underneath and the uh, I can't think of what you call the the uh, shiny belt that she had on and yeah. um, I used to love sitting sitting at the bottom of the stairs and see her coming down with the skirts you know <laughs> with petticoats and yeah. and she, that, that stems from that stems some of my I enjoy glamour I enjoy you know like when I see the dresses in um, Strictly Come Dancing and oh. all those sort of uh, ladies I just it just you know brings such joy and I think it stems a little bit from that from the glamour that my sister had okay okay yeah. now the roles which your mum and grandma played your mum working multiple jobs and uh, your grandma being more of a comforter, how did that play out? Well, as I said, um, well, grandma came to live with us uh, when just before Hugh was born, because we were both born in the house, um, you know, uh, and 
she stayed and she cared for us oh. all. Oh, yes, yeah. Um, you know, and uh, she would, excuse me, <coughs> she would uh, feed us when mum wasn't there okay. and things like that. You know, we would often have, um, she'd, she'd make things like potato um, scones uh, to fill us up. She'd make pancakes mm. to fill us up, things that, you know, we could, because we often had bread and milk, hot milk for for breakfast, you know, things like yeah. that. So uh, this must have been, um, this could have been, you might have spoken about this while I was sorting out Hugh's thing, or um, did I miss that you have spoken about this? No, no. Oh, no okay. No. Okay. Sorry if I, if I repeated That's the question, okay. maybe. That's okay. That's fine. And then, um, you know, she, she, she would manage us in that way. Um, and of course, as I said, mum would do lots of different jobs just to keep us afloat. Yeah. And grandma, um, on a pension day, she used to always get doled up. Uh, she was a biggish lady and she'd wear and she'd wear an apron, those wrap around aprons normally in the day, you know, and um she would uh, put on a coat and she would wear a fox collar, a real fox, uh, you know, that had been um uh obviously sorted and uh, silk putting underneath. So she, and, and ladies did that. They'd change their collars on their coats in those days. And she'd go off to the pub. And we, if, we were, if we were at home, we would follow, you know, because she couldn't leave us on her own, me yeah. and you. And we'd sit outside the pub because we weren't allowed in. And uh, we'd, ha- we'd, we'd have the punters that were in there, the, the gentlemen that had been drinking and that, come out and give us pop crisps, sweets, you know, sometimes we'd have sixpences or pennies and we used to find it quite lucrative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we, we used to love that. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, we used to, uh, in, that was what was a highlight when we were at home, obviously on holiday from school or something like that. Um, but yeah, she'd only go and have a couple of brown ales and that was her treat. Right. <laughs> now, <laughs> when was your... When did your life take a bit of a spiritual journey? When did you have your first spiritual experience? Well, I did have a spiritual experience when I was a, a child, round about, I'm not sure if it was uh, seven or eight, it might have been even nine, I'm not sure of the age. Um, and I remember uh, it was a bright sunny morning, I was still in bed, and I heard this tap, tap, tap on the window. And we had these uh, double windows with a middle panel, and I saw this man tapping on in the middle of this panel, you know, type thing. And he had, you know, in the olden days, uh, I would say in the early 20s, 30s, men used to have their hair, um, well-to-do men used to have their hair parked down the middle, slipped down, slipped down, and they'd probably have a dark uh, moustache, and have those stand-up collar things that, uh, with a with a bow tie and uh, wear an evening suit, you know, when they have that roll down, spent a bit. And uh, he was asking me to let him in, and I was feeling very scared. And uh, then I heard a knock on the front door, rat a tat tat, and my grandma opened that one down there, and it was the postman. I heard them nattering, so I ran downstairs while the door was open and got the courage, and out of the door and looked up because this window was above uh, to the side, you know, of the front door and nobody was there. And in that time, my grandma finished talking to the postman and he went and she says, what's the matter? And I told her. So she took me upstairs to have a look and uh, he, he was gone. And she just said, 
you know, uh, it's a good job you didn't let him in because he would have been a bad spirit. Oh. I don't know if he's not, but, <laughs> uh, you know, Victorian ladies and things like that, you know, um, often used to talk about those things. <coughs> yeah. So that was my first uh, spiritual experience. Well, many children have actually testified of having similar experiences, you know, so it's not uncommon to to be introduced into the spirit world when you have a vision yeah. or a, an experience like that. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And your your sister, Rabina, uh, how, what, what kind of a role did she play in, in your, let's say, your teenage years? Well, big sister Rabina is, as I say, about 15 years older than I am. Um, she obviously got married and left home uh, when I was still quite young. Um, Grandma was still alive when she married, because Grandma died um, in 66. And I think Rabina got married, I'm not sure, was it just before that year or round about that year? I'm not 100%. And um, she had a, she always had a, had a role of, felt responsible for us all. And uh, in particular, you know, myself, she always tried to protect me, but obviously she wasn't always there. But um, when when I went, I used to used to go and stay with her when she uh, got first when she got married. Not just first, you know, we had a strong link with her. And when I was um, ele- well, eleven, she uh, found out that uh, because I failed my eleven plus, it came highlighted that I couldn't read. Okay. And obviously, you know, that affected how I did my exams and everything because I was very. I'm a very pictorial um, person. I see things in picture form and colour. And, um, of course, I'd, I'd managed to, in those days, with the level of learning that was going on, to get by without people realising. And Because I, I could only read sort of three, four words at a time, so, you know, I got by. And so that summer, when I was there uh, at her place, she taught me to read she taught me how to spell because i didn't know my vowels and things like that and she she gave me a good kick start not literally a kick <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> but she she's always been very supportive um mum couldn't cope with things like that um you know she she was she wasn't in the good best of place herself so rabina took those roles on and supported and um you know helped in so many ways uh, that she could, even though she lived, uh, she lived about, um, uh, I would say, 20, 30, 25 miles away. But in them days, 25 miles away was just as bad as being 200 miles away yeah. because transport and things like that wasn't available like today. Yeah. And we didn't have a phone or anything. So, you know, um, things took on a different way. But uh, yes, she was very supportive. She, she, because again, because I got, um, I I didn't know about uh, the uh, facts of life. I'd, I'd had a humiliating moment with a girlfriend and her father um, when I was again around about 13, 12 or 13. And she, you know, this friend obviously told her father my concept of being what a virgin was, because I thought a virgin was somebody who started their monthlies. And of course it wasn't, but she she'd obviously told her father and they were they were having a good laugh about it. So he happened to say to me one day when I was in the car when he picked us up when I was staying at my friends and said, Ask me what it was what a virgin was and of course then I told them and they laughed. So I felt very humiliated mm. and ignorant. And my sister 
obviously again heard about it. I don't know whether I told her or whether she heard about it. She decided she would put me on the right track. And she got some books again and uh, she sat me down and she helped me understand what, what the facts of life were. And I remember going back home and telling my mum and my mum was highly embarrassed and didn't want to know because she, she couldn't cope with those sort of things. At that okay, that so that's where it started, hey? Yeah, yeah. So she's always been like there for me yeah. and she's always had the motherly um, uh, protection and instinct nurturing when she could. Yeah. And what about school? Um, did you participate in, in sport or plays or, you know, what kind of games well, did you guys play? I was never a, yeah, I was never a sporty person, um, but I did get involved with, um, the you know, um, the arts in the sense of uh, being in a play. Um, I did got involved with a couple of plays. I did one that was Wizard of Oz and I had a small part in that. And then we had Oliver, and I did another one in that, which was I was um, Oliver's stepmother, Mrs. Sowerberry, in the uh, Undertakers and that. Right. So that was quite a funny journey. Yeah. You know, um, so that was, that was, you know, we did, and I loved um, singing. Okay. I loved singing. Do you still sing? Yes, I do. Um, I don't sing like I used to, um, but yes, I do. And do you like to sing to, us a song? Would I like to sing a song? <laughs> oh, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> now, <laughs> who's laughing along? So, 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 so. <laughs> my voice isn't so good today. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've got a bit of a croaky throat. Uh, but, uh, of course, I would yeah. love to have sang a if song. It, if it wasn't for the croaky throat. <clears throat> well, I don't know. You know, uh, <laughs> what song would I sing if I sang you one? Singing in the rain or something, or somewhere over the rainbow? Which no, is... it wouldn't be that sort of one. I tell you what, um, uh, a self-healing one. Tell him we can hear him. That's John muttering in the background. Healing the self. Um, it's Louise Hay, yeah. and it's about doors closing, doors opening. Doors closing, doors opening, doors closing, doors I'm opening, I am safe, it's only change, I am safe, it's only change. That's as much as <laughs> That is beautiful, beautiful Mo, and you would not have done this a few months ago, never mind, no. you know, you wouldn't have been on radio what, two years ago, never mind now, sing so comfortably on radio. Yes. That is remarkable. Your journey is very, very special. And I am privileged to witness what you're going through and how you've, through poetry and find your confidence and how you are sharing. And now you've actually sang, which most people <laughs> will not do. So well done for that. Well, you know, as I said to you, um, I don't know if I said it on here or <laughs> if I said it on the poetry program this morning, life, um, you know, for me, I like to have positives and I try to do, you know, I don't want to have regrets. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I will try these things. and um, You can take this I, one off, take it off. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And I know I, can, I know I can sing, but it's sometimes it's hit and miss depending on the restrictions within myself. Okay, so then towards the end of school, because I think it's almost time for the first song, and then we're going to get into the questions yeah. section. And um, hang on, before we before we go any further, uh, 
I'd like to hang on. No, hang. Let me move my. Let me take another step backwards, and finish off the schooling years where you had your first boyfriend, um, Luigi, Luigi, at fourteen. Yes, Luigi. Yes, Luigi Rapato. He was uh, Hugh's best friend. Ah. And he, yeah, he came to he came to our home with Hugh uh, because when Hugh was uh, an apprentice at an engineering company called Blackstones, and. Uh, Luigi courted me, and mm. uh, it was it was a very difficult time for Hugh because he he lost a good mate, but he was he wasn't seeing him as much because obviously Luigi was, you know, making um, eyes at me, and uh, was, <laughs> he must not have, was, wasn't too I impressed was very, with that. Hey? Uh, well, you know, he'd lost his mate. His mate was there, but his mate was. You know, like in any forms of romance. Yeah, once a girl steps in, yeah. Yeah, and being the chap, he was courting me, and I was very shy and timid, and uh, my mum was very strict with me, which was, you know, and he he was slowly inching in. We used to go out on a, a one night a week with my parents, my stepdad and mum, and sit playing bingo, and it, we would be playing bingo, and we'd hold each other's little finger, um, you know, because because it was one step at a time. Yeah. You know, um, but yes. And it, for me, it was uh, a lovely time, but it ended tragically. He he died in a car accident. Mm. And um, it left me uh, distraught because I wasn't able to go to the funeral. Um, my boss, who was, because I was uh, training to be a hairdresser at the time. And... Um, she she was Italian and her husband and they they wouldn't let me go because I had to leave somebody in the shop. Yeah. And uh, because they were Italian, they felt they had the priority to go to the funeral. Yeah, yeah, that's typical. Good. And I remember hearing I didn't I heard via his auntie who'd come in to have a head and I heard them talking in Italian and though I didn't really understand all of them, I understand enough. Mm. And of course, I heard his name, and I understand it sort of enough that something yeah. had happened. And then I asked more questions, so it left me in a very shocked state, and I'd shut down. In fact, um, I think my sister said that for years I was, and my mum said that I was like the ice queen. Mm. You know, in, in, uh, I was frozen, and uh, I was only living, sort of uh, existing, but not fully present. Yeah. Sure. So you. You left school at 15 to take your first job, and I think that is probably a good, a good part to end off on uh, in yes. terms of your first few years. How did that happen? What, did, what happened with, uh, at, at, at uh, secondary school? Secondary school, um, learning was uh, difficult. Um, Hugh used to try and encourage me, you know, to uh, do better and that. But, of course, no, no, nobody understood that I had some difficulties. Um, so, you know, again, we all do what we have to do, but mm. if we knew what we knew, we'd be different, if you understand what I'm yes. saying. Um, so, um, you know, I, I I struggled. I was in the lower classes. Um, again, it was because I, people didn't understand how I saw the world, because I was seeing the world in picture form. And um, it was difficult to... to to put together anything, you know, mm. and uh, my confidence was very, very low, uh, you know, and um, 
it was what it was really and it put me off doing any study long-term studying so i was relieved to be able to leave at 15 to go and do my apprenticeship yeah okay because the hairdressing was very um again it was I got into wanting to be a hairdresser because my mum used to treat herself once a fortnight and have her hair done, and she'd got beautiful hair. She had um, a golden flax-coloured yeah. hair, mm. and uh, it, it gave me a passion for it, so uh, that's what I did. Okay. We got a message coming in from Shelley saying, thanks for your courage in singing on Airmo. Oh, thank you, Shelley. Got one complaint about it, though, unfortunately. It wasn't enough. <laughs> exactly that. It was too short. Said, well done. You got a lovely voice. So, on thank that you. note, let's um, let's listen to your first song, Mo, which um, yeah. which you selected, and it's called "Somewhere Over the Rainbow." Is there any particular reason why you why you selected this song? Again, my mum and stepdad always on a Saturday and Sunday we watched the films on a you know close the curtains it would be a wonderful journey through the musicals the films and singing in the rain was all our all-time favorite and uh, of course also with the singing in the rain and the latter years my daughter took me out for a special day um to london and uh, took me to the theater and it was it was just me and her for the first time in in adulthood uh -huh. So, yes, that's why it's got a double-edged meaning. She wanted to bring back memories yeah. of the times I spent with my mum. Yes, beautiful. So let's, we're going to listen to the version of Israel Kamakavior. Yeah. Here we go. Thank you. Oh, 
like a lemon drops high above the chimney top. That's where you find me, oh, somewhere over the rainbow, way up high. And the dream that you did to why. Lovely, lovely song by Israel. And um, Mo, that is yeah, beautiful. I can see why that was important to you and how it triggers your, your emotion. Beautiful. Mm. Mm. So we have a special guest in studio. Um, Bobby, welcome. Rabina. Hello. Uh, Rabina. She, has two names. she has two names, Joe. Rabina, uh, my family name, isn't it? Yeah. Ah, and Bobby... Yeah, uh, my husband. My husband's family name because they couldn't. I'll I'll tell you the story before she starts talking uh, thing about that. When I was uh, when I was when I was about six, Rabina and uh, uh, now husband. He was a he was a. I don't know if he, you don't know if you were engaged or You're not. To, but you have to keep this one short, Moby. You have a lot yeah, to get through. Yeah. They took me. They took me uh, to their house and uh, uh, they were calling her Bobby. And I kept saying, it's not Bobby, it's Rabina. And yeah. it was um, Barry's dad was teasing me. And, uh, of course, I had confusion. So, yes, she's known as two names, Bobby and Rabina. But ah. to her family, Rabina, to Barry's family, it's Bobby. Ah, okay, that makes sense. So, okay, great stuff. So now let's get to the first of our questions for you today, Mo. And okay. the first one comes from Ian. Ian is one of our presenters. Yes, and he is asking, "What are the, what are two of the most inspiring poems that have touched, uplifted, and inspired you? Have you a formula and a style of for writing uh, that you follow diligently, or do you like to create each one in its own way as it unfolds?" Okay, there's a few questions, so let's get Very to the first one that. first. What yeah. are the two most uplifting, inspiring poems? Now that's that's a, a very difficult one to say because <laughs> one that I've I've written has been inspiring because it it's it, it, I've been inspired to write yes and um, some of us have been sort of uh, spiritual I sometimes I've channeled the odd one or two um, like the liberty one that I did uh, when we when it was the um, uh, poppy you know um day you know remembrance day that that was very inspired yes. um so um yes i do have some that are, are very uh sort of come out of the blue but mostly i sit and digress and um not digress but i look at a word or a thought process um and then i write down bits and pieces as they come and then then I look at the whole and pull pieces together and make 
and make a poem from that, like a jigsaw. So mm. it's generally, that's how I create um, my poetry of the thoughts and feelings inside. Excellent. Of the sense of self, and sometimes they come from the spirit or the soul. Wonderful. I think that's a great answer to both those questions. And in the last one, what advice would you give to a beginner to help them to start writing poetry? And where can I go to read your purchase, yeah. read or purchase your work? Right. So, again, that's a multi-question. Yes. So, the first, the first part of the question um, is, we all have our inner voice. We all have words that we've not put to, out into the, into the world. So, allowing ourselves to express and just write. If we write our unconscious thoughts down, you can have a poem. You know, um, I found, personally, um, for me, poems, the, the shape of a poem, I like to explore sometimes, like the poem that I, I read, uh, Knock Knock Acceptance, mm -hmm. that I read on my show this morning. Yes. That was a different format, because I wrote the poem as uh, a speaking voice of, of my consciousness, but also the unconscious I gave a voice, that I gave a voice to acceptance. And it was those two parts that, that formed the poem. So yes. that was an abstract version. Great. Um, okay? Yeah, that's as good. To, as to where you can get my poetry, um, that I do have a few poems in a book, but it's not just me. It's the group that I, I do the poetry with, the creative writing group. And that's at Care Merseyside. And you can, uh, it's uh, called Scribbles of the Soul and uh, going on their website and that, you should be able to find how to purchase it because that goes to charity, the charity of the Care Merseyside to help people in self-prescribing and other forms of uh, creativity. Excellent. I'm sure Ian got that. And anybody else interested in, um, in finding out more about Mo's poetry and work? The next question is from Juliette, and I'm hoping that... Uh, oh, because we had a problem with doing this. Mo, what inspired you to first write poetry? Was there a kind of pivotal moment or event that happened that got you spurred into writing poetry? Uh, lots of love, Juliet. It's a lovely question, Juliet. Um, yeah, um, I didn't have poetry in my life until later on. And uh, it was... Because though I, I've worked for 25 years doing my own thing with um, my spirituality and healing, um, I also, in the latter 10 years, uh, wanted to be involved in the end of life. Um, because I felt, you know, I had a lot to offer end of life. And I wanted to give people dignity and the space and whatever they needed to make their journey in those last stages easier. So I was in, I was uh, caring for a lady who was uh, at the end of life, who was a head teacher, and she loved poetry all her life, but she could no longer read it because she couldn't hold a book, she couldn't, you know. So to help her through her, you know, because she had she was mourning that part, I said to her, I would sit and read poetry. So I started to read poetry and I tried to make it as interesting as possible by, you know, um, 
putting emotion into the, the, the process. So that was my introduction. And from that introduction, that lady, that was her gift to me. And um, of course, then I started uh, thinking, and then I joined the creative writing group when I moved up to Liverpool. And that's when it all started from that. Cool. Uh, I think the next one is probably from Giles, as it is in the same in the same message. But I find with Telegram, it's a bit of a trick to get to play this thing. So let's see how this works. Armo, I was just wondering how you're getting on supplementing your vitamin D to optimize levels for your health. <laughs> Giles, I'm not. I'm not. In in a in a thing, I'm not, and I'm, and I know that uh, from our conversation we had a few weeks back briefly, um, I know that I need to take that in hand because um, one of the problems with the shutdowns and that hasn't helped me in my journey. I haven't been going out. I haven't been so. I need to address that, and I haven't gotten it. So it's on my to do list. Promise, and I'll let you know when I do. <laughs> <laughs> thank, you um, for the, thank you for the prompt Rubina do you have a question for, for Mo by any chance that you wanted to ask her uh, I'm just going to ask her really um, how have you enjoyed your um, spiritual journey with ourselves with myself how yeah that's a good question sis how have I enjoyed my spiritual journey do you know it's quite interesting because um, if I said there's two parts to me and I'm sure there's two parts or more to, uh, to all of us. Um, but my my spiritual journey has been the most joyous thing that I've experienced, even though I've had to deal with some of my, my shadows and that. Um, and it's been, it's given me um, a sense of self back. Um, and it's also uh, given me unconditional uh, thinking and, um, not, you know, the gifts of, of learning that it's given me of, of understanding not just myself but others and, and learning to just be. Because to just be and, and go with the flow and, and have acceptance is, is a toughie for all of us. And one of the things I learned from my, like my daughter, she, she, she's had a lot of ill health, and standing by and watching when your children are adults and they're wanting to be on a different path of understanding to yourselves and you're having to look from the sidelines uh, because it's important that you allow them to be what they need to be through their healing process. And all I could be at that time was to be there and if she wanted me in whatever capacity to be and not put my agenda on her because I was traumatized at the time that, you know, I thought, you know, with her diet, thinking oh, she was going to die and everything. But I managed to not put my own agenda on her. And it was a big journey of discovery of the way that we uh, need to allow people their own journey, but to be alongside them, not overpowering them. Mm. Does that help the answer? I think yeah. so, definitely, definitely. Yes. We've got a few minutes um, left before we need to, wrap up with the last part of your life and that's going to be very tight so let's get through the questions a bit quicker Mo yeah. we've got uh, this next one is from Kath uh, lovely Mo happy Sunday to you a question for you from Kath Temple me <laughs> <laughs> and my question is 
As you look back on your life, what are the things that most warm your heart? Loads of love to you. What warms my heart? Um, what warms my heart is several things. Um, I love uh, see it being able to support somebody, uh, even if it's just my voice, and uh, help, you know, even if it's just chatting. And that when I finish chatting or sharing that time with that person, that person's more uplifted and feel goes away with a happy song in their heart. That's very um, important to me. Um, but also for my own self, it's actually the achievement, my biggest achievement in life. And my biggest achievement in life was actually getting my teaching degree. And the moment that I stood on the podium and received my certificate, you know, and I was there in a gown and hat, that was the most proudest and um, poignant moment in my life and my journey because it showed me that we can achieve anything. And uh, because of my difficulties in learning and what I overcome, that that's what it did for me. So there's the two parts, the outside part and the inner part of me. Oh, beautiful. Next one is from Philip. This is a question from Mo, from Philip. Uh, Mo, if you could choose any des destination in the world to go to for, a, say, a, a month holiday, where would you go and why? Okay. Where would I go and why? You see, now that's a difficult one because, you know, I've, uh, the places I've been have been to do with often with like my brother Hugh um, and my brother Edward when they were different destinations in the world, like Hugh when he was down in, uh, with you in South Africa years ago. Uh, he was there on the 50th, so I'd went there. My brother Edward was in the Cayman Islands because he was in the prison service there rescuing that, and I went there. Um, Canada, I've been, you know, different places because of different family links. Um, I'll tell you where I would love to be in the Northern Hemisphere to see, so that I could share and, and experience more of the whales and, uh, and the aurora borealis. I'd love to be in one of those igloos that are clear, you know, and you can see the stars and I would love that. that that's a place I would love to, to mm. share time with. Beautiful. So the last question, Mo, is from Shelley, and she's asking, what are some of your passions you've yet to fulfill or dreams you'd like to realize still in this life? That is something that uh, I have, don't have a lot of, of that because I've achieved a lot um, in the sense of much, a lot of my dreams, um, you know, through teaching of, of therapies and being able to uh, share um, my you know knowledge that I've gained over the years uh, in the spiritual world um I think it's just the passion is to be able to continue in a, you know because I'm doing it in a different way now I, you know um so I'm not I still I still do practice but it's in a different format and it's interesting uh, as I embrace embrace the new and the new energies that are being given and knowledge of understanding of the self uh, that's been an amazing journey and still is. Wow. Mo, um, we are so fast running out of time and there's so much more that we can get to know about you, but we're going to have to wrap up. We've got about four minutes to go into the last part of, um, of your life from, from when you started working 
and um, maybe you can start with your first job as a hairdresser, how that how that started happening, and then take us take us up till now. What's happened, and who's okay. who was who in your zoo? Well, as I say, I had an apprenticeship, and um, that I, I fulfilled that journey, and uh, then I went on because I was getting married and. Um, Money was very bad then in, in uh, wages. Uh, I think I was only earning £2.27. And I was getting married, so I ended up working in a belt factory, and a uh, leather belt factory, because it was much more money. I think I got, um, you know, something like £18. So it was a big difference. And that, of course, helped getting married. Um, but that, you know, without going into the marriages, I had uh, quite a disastrous uh, few years of of you know about 15 years of several marriages that I in you know experienced and again the dysfunction that uh, I was in so that was that um and then um while I was out of work um in my 30s I trained in different areas of holistic therapies so as I was trying to help myself I was counseling I did uh, psycho um psychotherapy and um, I did a two-year course on that while I wasn't working, and um, that was my first journey back into uh, exams, which I had to overcome. And then I did crystal therapy. I did other therapies, you know, from Reiki to uh, reflexology, aroma therapy, hopier. I did all the lot uh, working through because I was trying to find ways of helping myself, but also I wanted to be able to teach. I started with my sister doing workshops, and then from that workshop, we started to, to put a, a, a course together. We got accepted as an independent group. And uh, because of the um, actual requirements, it were, you know, um, we ha- which was the main governing body, we were in a period of time where um, um, we had to, everybody had to, in therapies, uh, be able to teach up to uh, A-level a standards. So that's when I went in to become a teacher. And I went through that process of uh, gaining my degree. Right. Uh, it was a tough journey, but it was the biggest mountain, but the biggest achievement. So yes. then for the rest of the years, I taught crystal therapy and uh-huh. other therapies until I came up here into Liverpool because I gave up work because, you know, my health problems and uh, my marriage to John. And we retired up in Liverpool to spend time together in quality of life. Okay, so that and that is where you guys are still at, and you've been there for how many years, you say? Four years now. Four years. Yes. Okay, and you know, we just walked into the door, is our own, our very own Huji has just arrived from the airport, and we've got one minute left to say say our goodbyes, and then play play the last song, so... um, Hello, goodbye, Hugh. Yeah, so... Yeah, so we we got maybe we got uh, Hugh to to say the last word to you as he's just arrived here in South Africa. <laughs> you've got, you've got thirty seconds. You've got to speed up a little bit. What's that? Hi, I don't know. I'm talking to Joe. To Mo. We in the. We... Hello, boy. Hi. Hi, hi, bro. Was a good show, was it? Oh yes, excellent. You missed. You missed. You'll have to listen on Wednesday. Yeah, I will. I will. I will. I will. So you didn't. didn't You'll it? enjoy it. You heard? Yeah, I was singing. They got me singing. Just a brief one. Oh, great. <laughs> that was brilliant. That was brilliant. We'll catch up soon. Yeah, so yes. we're just in the, in the last bits, Hugh, of, uh, of Mo's life now when she 
Well, not we're not in the last bit of, of Mo's life. She's still <laughs> very well. But we're in the last bit of her just telling us, uh, now married with John, last four years where they're living now, happily so. Yeah, and, she deserves a bit of happiness. And is there anything else that you quickly wanted to ask her about this last part, maybe, or perhaps your interaction uh, with her? What did she mean to you, H? No, she was very Keep quiet. the microphone close to you. She was very quiet. She was very reserved. She was very shy. Um, and it was only after discussing some personal information with her the other day when I collated the, the facts of my sister, I realised I was totally oblivious to, to those, those moments in her life. So I'll take my hat off to you, Maureen, and what you went through. And uh, I had no idea. I had no idea. I'm sure you haven't well, shared I'm, that. I'm, I'm just very blessed, Hugh, that I've been given an opportunity to share time with you. Um, and this, this radio station has given that opportunity for me to know you more. Yeah, you likewise. Yeah, and um, you're doing a great job <laughs> with Joe. With I'm, I'm told to shut up already. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Speak to you soon, Hugh. Yeah, take care. You, you take care. Yeah. Glad you landed safely. Yeah. yeah bye bye. <laughs> bye bye. We're running out of time, Mo. So thank you so much for your beautiful, beautiful contribution to the station, and it's a privilege to get to know you better today. It's wonderful. Thank you so much. You. All the more out poetry no, no, no. with our mo. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> poetry in motion. And we're gonna, I'm going to play that out. I'm going to first play the... Okay, kind of sound radio is... Getting to know you Getting to know all about you Getting to like you Getting to hope you like me I'm just going to toss that in quickly, seeing that you're sitting next to me. Mo, thank you so much. Rubina, thanks for joining us oh, in the studio. Thanks for joining us in the studio, and we will catch up soon, Mo. Thank you very much. Yeah. And will I be able to have a recording of it, please? Yeah, you'll catch, you can listen to it on Wednesday again. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Have a wonderful rest of the day, guys. Meet you on Tuesday <laughs> meeting. Bye. Bye bye, Rubina. Nice to meet you. Love. Yeah, bye, Rubina. Let the stormy clouds chase everyone from the place. Come on with the rain, I've a smile on my face. I'll walk down the lane with a happy refrain. Just singing, singing in the rain. Dancing in the rain I'm happy again I'm singing and dancing in the rain